Hello, thanks for listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. This is Adam Rosen, your host. I'm a fellowship-trained orthopedic surgeon who specializes in joint replacement. In these episodes, I'm going to share with you a lot of my tips and tricks and review classic articles and current implant designs. Thanks for tuning in and on with the show. Hello and welcome back. This is Adam Rosen and you're listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. So in today's episode, as we're sort of coming to the tail end of the process or sequence of taking care of a patient throughout the entire aspect of a total knee replacement, we're getting now into the post-operative follow-up phase. This is the one and three month phase um, when I see patients back. So I think it's really important for any patient in any issue, surgical or not surgical, is that you do your best to explain the normal expectations of what's going to happen, even if it's just taking care of an ankle fracture as to when you're going to go from a splint to a cast, cast to a brace, brace to weight-bearing physical therapy. So in the beginning, the patients have an idea of where they're headed. And also, I think it's important, especially when either things go wrong, um, or when they're things that we would consider normal, but to the patient, they're a significantly big deal. When you explain that to the patient at the time that it occurs and say, oh, well, that's normal, it should be expected. I'm not sure that many patients take that as well as if you let patients know ahead of time that you're probably going to see X, Y, and Z. And then when it comes up, you let them know that it's normal and they say, oh, I remember that you saying that this could happen or I remember in the informational handout that this was a normal occurrence. I think that people deal with that and tolerate that and accept that a lot better. So again, this all comes back to the preoperative education. You hear me stress that over and over and over again, but I believe it's extremely important. Um, And also your staff likes it too, because if the patients know what's coming, they're not calling your staff with every question, every bump, bruise, ache. They've already known what's coming and what to expect, and you've also given them ways to treat and deal with it. So at a month follow-up, my patients come in and they get an x-ray. Now, what I found over the years is that I would go into the room and I would have all of the same questions from every single patient. Um, I actually saw there was an interesting study. I think if I remember, it was may have been Sweden. It was one of the Scandinavian countries. But what they actually did was they brought a lot of patients in at the same time. And they did basically a group follow-up, which I thought was great. I mean, it's ingenious because, you know, it benefits patients in so many ways because you have all of these patients in a room together. So you can tell all of the patients the same thing once, and that they can also have some camaraderie in someone that's going through the same thing that they're going through. And I always thought it would be great too for that one outlier that was maybe struggling, you know, to see, hey, everybody else is doing better. My hope would be that that person then would be motivated to work harder. You know, obviously the opposite's true. They might wonder, hey, what went wrong with my surgery? Why am I not like everybody else? But, you know, with HIPAA and all these other issues, I'm not sure that that's going to happen in America anytime soon. Um, But what I found was, you know, I tell the patients the same thing over and over and over again. And occasionally I'm running a little bit behind. So what I created was in addition to explaining it to them pre-op and in the pre-operative handout, 
I have my one-month post-operative handout. So my staff, when they room the patient, give them this form. And this way, while they're sitting in the room, even if it's just for a couple minutes, they can read through and they see these are all of the common things that people will see after total knee replacement at one month. And then what typically happens is I go in and after we talk and chat and examine their knee, you know, I'll ask, oh, do you have any questions? And usually they'll say, oh, no, I had a bunch, but the sheet, it answered them all. You know, they, they had all the common questions. So common questions. These are the things to talk to people about both before and after. Night pain. Night pain is very common. Again, we're not 100% sure as to why. You know, my belief is it has a lot to do, and I tell it this way to patients. It has nothing to do with your bed. It has nothing to do with your sheets. You know, it has everything to do with the fact that you're not moving your knee. You know, in the middle of the afternoon, if you were laying on the sofa and didn't move your knee for two or three hours, your knee would get stiff and achy and you would get jittery and have to get up and move because it would hurt. So when you lay down at night and you fall asleep for a few hours, it's going to wake you up. It's not a big deal in someone that had night pain prior to surgery. And it's not that big of a deal in a guy that's got an enlarged prostate and gets up two or three times a night to go to the bathroom. But in patients that weren't used to getting up and now they're four weeks into surgery and haven't gotten a full night's rest, they get a little cranky and they get irritable and they get scared. So letting them know that it is normal. What I find is that most patients, when they start to get back to a normal range of motion, that stiffness pain starts to go away and they start to sleep better. Um, But I do stress the importance of sleep habits, meaning you want to have good sleep hygiene, go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time, even if they have to set an alarm. No screens, tablets, TVs in bed. Try to turn all tablets and screens off one to two hours before they go to bed. You know, for patients, I'm not a believer in the... um, pharmaceutical sleeping agent. So I don't typically prescribe things like Ambien and Restoril. Too addictive in my opinion. And, you know, I take care of too many falls from people taking that medicine for other reasons and falling down and breaking their hip. Um, But, you know, I'll talk to them about something simple like melatonin. Um, But I also, you know, stress the importance of trying to get a good night's sleep and trying to get through the night, even if it's difficult, they'll start to get there. Um, The other thing is the morning stiffness. You know, I let them know, listen, even though you're waking up every morning and it's really stiff, it's normal. Once you get going, it feels better, correct? Yes, they say. And say it'll get better over time. The lateral numbness, really, really common. You know, those little skin nerves get cut and nicked. And I explain, you know, in some people it's small and some people it's large, but those skin sensation, you know, will be numb for a while and sometimes permanently and usually for at least up to a year. But over time, that starts to diminish. You know, I explain it in a way that, you know, if you had a large tree and you cut down a big branch, that that branch doesn't necessarily grow back, but the other smaller branches around it fill in that aspect of the tree with smaller branches and leaves. And, you know, these little nerves we can't see with the human eye. So when they get cut or nicked, it's not that they always grow back, but you'll have other nerves fill in the space and it doesn't control any muscle. Um, but that sensation should come back. And if it doesn't, you know, that may be a permanent aspect of the surgery. Um, The warmth, a lot of patients, my knee's warm and I think it's infected, you know, so letting them know that the blood flow can be increased in the knee for a while, one to two years in some studies. And then that warmth does not mean that they have an infection, that it is common, it will start to go away. You know, it's not as noticeable when you have both knees done because they both feel warm. But when you have one knee that's replaced and the other knee that's their native knee, they notice a significant difference. Um, 
at a, at a month, I expect people to come in the office typically without assisted devices. You know, occasionally I'll have someone come in with the cane and I ask them if they're using it. Um, and typically they'll say no, but I wasn't sure where I was going to park, so I brought it today. So usually they're gone with assisted devices. They should be off narcotics. You know, when I'm asking people what medicines they're using and they start off, you know, I need a refill. It's like, hold on, what's going on? What's the problem? You know, I tell all my patients usually should be off within 72 hours occasionally out to two weeks. You know, they're still on non-narcotic medicine, but they should be off the opioids. Um, at that point, you have to keep an eye out for other things. Um, but you're looking at the wound, you know, is the wound healed? Are they spitting a stitch? This is when I talk to them in the next few weeks. You may see a vicral stitch spit. So I let them know what to expect and what to do and, you know, when to call. Um, but typically the, the scar at this point should be healed, not mature, but healed and let them know that the skin raised or discoloration will change over time and it will flatten. Um, the other things you'll see as far as range of motion that what I'm expecting at this point is typically full extension. You know, at, at a month I'm expecting patients to either have full extension or just a couple degree flexion contracture. Uh, and it's not uncommon to see passive full extension, but still have an extensor lag. So at that point I will talk to patients about terminal extension exercises that they can do at home and focusing on those as opposed to extension exercises where they're going from, you know, 90 to 10, you know, they're doing a hundred of those. Great. You know, your problem is from 10 to zero. So I want them to focus on the problem aspect and not overdo the thing that's already easy for them. And then as far as flexion, you know, again, I'm expecting leaving the hospital at 92 weeks, 100, four weeks, 110. So I like to see patients with 110. If they're at 100, you know, I'm okay with that. And I'll let them know, that, hey, you're doing good. Let's push it a little bit more. Um, but if I see someone at 90 or below, again, that's what we talked about in the previous episode. That's the issue with stiffness. You know, you got to capture these patients early. Um, and then for my patients that are still using the scheduled acetaminophen or anti-inflammatories, you know, this is the point where we're starting to wean off of those. Um, as far as therapy, you know, because some of our patients, especially I find if my patient has had their other knee done, and because we're using this app-based program and I go over all these exercises with them, you know, I have a lot of patients that they do fine. You know, they go home, they do their exercises, they come in in a month, they're happy. That's great. Um, other patients, you know, will try to get, especially the younger, fitter, healthier ones that can drive quite quickly, you know, if they need therapy, it's, you know, in the hospital, home, right to outpatient physical therapy a couple of days a week. Um, but for my older patients that may have had home therapy come in, this is the time where you have to decide, are they doing well enough that they can continue? Um, or is there a physical or mental need to go to outpatient physical therapy? And I may prescribe that for a month or so, but very individualized based on the patient um, and their progress and their range of motion. Um now, as far as activities, typically, you know, right or left knee at a month, most people should be able to drive. But again, there's no simple test. So you can't have a patient perform a test in an office because, you know, not only does it rely on strength and range of motion, it requires reaction speed. You know, do they have good vision? You know, when was the last time they drove? So you have to take all those, you know, into account and make your best judgment as to whether or not they can drive now or if they should wait two or four weeks. But, you know, at this point, you know, you got a month making sure everything's okay, patient's doing good, they're improving, they're still in that recovery phase, and your goal is the encouragement to get them to go along 
I review the x-rays, and now they have a plan. I typically see them back in another three months. So when they come back at the three-month mark, this is when I expect patients to be doing pretty good. You know, if you have someone that comes in at three months with major issues, stiffness, pain, you got to start to wonder like, hey, what's going on? Is there something wrong with the knee? Is, are there other issues as far as pain, pain management, psychosocial issues? Is there an infection? Is there instability? You know, you really have to not just blow those people off and kind of go, oh, they're just, you know, they're a slow mover um, or they're a complainer. You always want to make sure that you're not missing something. So, you know, you spend a little bit more time with these people to make sure that, you know, nothing's going on and they may need a little bit more coaxing or coaching or therapy or other modalities to get them better. But we all see some patients, you know, they struggle at three months, four months, five months, six months, you know, they, they get really better at a year. Um, and although there's some studies that show improvements for up to two years, and I let my patients know, listen, you can see improvements for up to a year, but if I see you back at a year and this is what you got, you know, pretty much that may be as good as it's going to get. Um, but I let my patients know at the three months sort of follow-up, and there's no real science to this, but I think it makes sense to the patients that I let them know that I see my patients are about 80% recovered. So what does that mean? It just means that if they have still some stiffness first thing in the morning or after a long car ride or movie or dinner, that's okay. That's normal. This is not as good as it gets. And if they're a little sore and weak at the end of the day because they went on a long walk or they played a lot of golf, um, that's normal. And again, that will go away. But you're expecting at this three, four month mark that patients are walking. They don't have any assisted devices. They're not taking any regular medication for knee symptoms, that they have full range of motion, that they have good strength, that they have good strength and stamina. And those are the people that are happy because at this point now they've gotten back to golf, they've gotten back to tennis, they've gotten back to bike riding and swimming and exercise classes. Um, and those are the patients that you'll see that will come in and they're smiling, you know, happy. These are the reasons that we all typically go into orthopedic surgery is because we like taking patients that are hurting and in pain and essentially disabled due to a arthritic condition and you can do something and these patients come in and they're happy and they've gotten their quality of life back. You know, so that's really, really the big goal, I think, for all of us is just to make people better. But when you see some of these people, you know, they'll say, yeah, I'm happy. I still feel this or this, but I know it's getting better. That's an easy one to take care of. Um, but there are some people that are really concerned because they still feel some symptoms and they still have some issues and they're afraid that this is as good as it's going to get. So I even will sometimes draw it out like on a graph and I'll plot out basically a year on my x-axis and on my y-axis, my, you know, percent of recovery up to 100%. You know, I'll show them in the first, you know, like one month, you know, that slope of that line is pretty steep. They have this huge improvement in the first month. And then from one month to three to four months, you know, the improvement's still pretty good. It's like a 45 degree slope, you know, line, but, you know, they still are seeing improvements that's noticeable day by day, week by week. But from the three, four month mark to the one year mark, the slope of that line is ever so slightly up, you know, so it's a very slow, gradual improvement in their strength and their stiffness and their endurance, but just letting them know that they're going to continue to see these slow improvements for up to a year as they get back to these normal activities. Now, for those problem people that have other issues, you know, I don't write them off. You know, I don't say, hey, listen, you know, three, four months, I, I hear that you're still having issues. I'll see you back in a year. You know, those are people that I say, listen, you know, we're going to keep a close eye on you. I want to see you back in three months. 
will make sure that you're continuing to improve along the path and make sure that, you know, nothing's going wrong. Obviously, if there's concerns for infection, you got to do the lab workup. You know, if there's other concerns, you may need additional x-rays or studies or, you know, what have you. So keep an eye out for other things. Um, but for the most part, you know, most of your patients at three months should be happy and improving and then they're getting their life back. So that's sort of my two cents on the, uh, you know, the one month, three, four month follow-ups that you're going to see because it really is important to understand, you know, what's normal, what's expected, but have a good mantra for what you're going to discuss and know what the patients are going to ask. Because if you can answer those questions, not only at the follow-up, but again, in your informational education prior to surgery, you know, patients will appreciate that because they know what's coming. And when they see it or go through it, they're going to come to expect it and not be scared or nervous because they knew this was a potential portion of the recovery that they would see. And it's not abnormal, you know, that they're not unique, that everybody else goes through the same things. Um, So thank you for listening. Please share this off with uh, your friends and colleagues. Uh, Until next time, you've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. I'm Adam Rosen. You've been listening to the Total Knee Tips and Pearls podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed so you'll be notified of future episodes. And please take the time to leave a review. It helps other people like you find the show. Until next time, stay safe.